for anyone not listening, uh, or for <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> You and I type. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This this one got some suspension system, so it's supposed um like getting all those tippy tappy noises from the mm. tape. Sounds. I found out that one of our suppliers was uh, was uh, giving me like fifty percent off on all this studio stuff. That's nice. Well, Nate's got his big pay rise, so he can um get some new recording stuff too. Um. I am super excited about this big pay raise. <laughs> I already started purchasing dumb stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I saw on Amazon, um, like they have these little boxes of Dungeons and Dragons figurines where it's like four random figurines for fifteen bucks. Yeah, and they're painted and they're nice. And I had bought one previously. I was like, oh, that's that's nice. And then I noticed that you could buy eight boxes that are usually fifteen bucks, but instead for ninety dollars. And I was like, oh man, savings. Like, <laughs> yeah, like ninety bucks. That's like pennies to me now <laughs> it's kind of crazy how how fast money scales like when you hit adult life like, i remember mm. being a kid and looking at a hundred dollar lego set and just being like i really hope i can get this for christmas or i can put all of my christmas money towards this and uh, now it's like uh, i got like seven hundred dollars in bills all right <laughs> i guess i can throw the lego into yeah yeah it's like ah want to go out to eat well that was 50 bucks because we got two entrees and drinks tip and you can get oh, dinner for 50 bucks. I don't even two know. Two entrees and drinks. <laughs> I guess that's not yeah, crazy. Yeah. 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 Like 12 to $15 entrees, 30 mm. bucks. Michigan drinks are pretty cheap. So like five to seven bucks for drinks. You know, if we, we're getting fancy drinks, maybe 10 bucks, mm. you know, add on tip. All right. We, we might look at 50 is probably reasonable. A reasonable meal in, in Denmark is like 80 bucks. I think. Yeah. We don't eat out a lot. It depends where you're going. Yeah. Like going going to McDonald's, you're and if you're getting like a like a meal and stuff like that, that that would be like about twenty bucks. Too much. My wife's Taco Bell order is stupid expensive because she she doesn't like the ground beef that they have, so she always asks them to substitute chicken, and they charge like a dollar fifty extra per taco for for chicken. So her like Taco Bell order is like fifteen dollars, and I'm like, we can go to the like the real authentic mexican food truck that has really nice food and get tacos for like a buck 50 each and at taco bell well they're you know just so much 50 just to upgrade the chicken yeah 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 i went to this um vegan place in auckland which is like the the biggest city here um and apparently i was in like the the rich neighborhood it was like 35 dollars for a burger no yeah no that's that's too much I, I was feeling very rich at the time i can't remember why but i had like some extra money i was like yeah that's right you know we got it we got to treat ourselves and i was like shit that's that a lot not, that was not worth 35 dollars. <laughs> my cousin um had a really small but super upscale wedding in downtown chicago at um del fresco's steakhouse and I forget how much the steaks were, but you like could order the steaks off of the actual menu and you know they were capping it at, at a certain price, but these were like $50, $60 steaks and they were so good. And I was so happy that I was not uh, covering that bill, but it was, it remains one of like the best wedding foods I've ever been to. Wait, so you had to pay for your own food at the wedding? No, no, they covered the bill. They just like, oh, okay. capped that you couldn't, couldn't get like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
the like two hundred dollar steaks and yeah. I remember once going to um a cousin's wedding. They had like an open bar and there's like threw some, you know, money on it. And then it got mm-hmm. to the like towards the end of the night and there was like, you know, still like so much money left. And like, okay, move from beer to the to the <laughs> get some of those bottles from the top shelf, please. Mm-hmm. The, those cousins did something similar, um, where they they did open bar however much you want for an hour. And then after that they only had like beer and wine. Mm-hmm. Um so we just like me and my brother in law went in there and we're like all right that 200 dollars bottle of scotch pour it up like let's let's give it a try how much can you drink in an hour i'm kind of i, I only went to europe once but i kind of miss drinking in europe because i feel like the alcohol prices were much cheaper for like mm. a good scotch or whiskey so you know we're, we're importing that from you know unless we're doing kentucky bourbon but we're importing that from Ireland or Scotland, but uh, when I was in Britain, it was it was real cheap. Yeah. You're telling me Tennessee whiskey out. is just a song? No, it's it's good. Um, it has a very different flavor than Scotch or Irish whiskey. It's much more like vanilla and like yeah, like sweeter. Yeah, I, I would. Scotch is is smokier, more like tasting a campfire. Peaty, I think, is the term, but I'm not a big whiskey guy. I'm not a big whiskey guy, as you explain the differences in flavor between two different whiskeys with um, technical terms. (laughs) I like whiskey. Uh, uh, for a second, I thought that was Utah Jazz, jazz on the court. Yeah, the yellow jerseys also suck. Mm, They're not very good. There are like two teams that can wear yellow. And everyone else should just refrain. Kind of like the Jazz jersey. Oh, yeah. I guess Very I do simple. remember. Wait, did Brooklyn do a yellow? Seen a, a Brooklyn yellow bed study or bed study. Oh, I don't remember that jersey. I don't remember it either. I mean, it looks kind of cool, but I, th- I think you kind of got to stay in your color. Yeah. That's the trouble with all these jerseys now is that it's like not your color. Like, why are they, why are they heat wearing yellow? And they don't stick with one long enough to, like, make it a vibe. Like those like neon green early 2000 Mavs jerseys that are kind of ugly, but I also love that were the Dirk Nash Finley. Like those were a vibe. They don't fit Mavs history, but I, I dig it. Yeah, they tried to bring that back for like a year and then just switch to like a grosser blue. Yeah, just stick with something for a year or mm. not for a year, for like five for years. More, for more than a year. Yeah. Also using like a ton of jerseys that uh, I think Brooklyn have like five, five jerseys. Mm. Most teams do. They have that old school niche jersey with the blue. Uh, yeah, that one was nice at uh, least. Cloud. You get three jerseys. You get home, a road, and an alternate. That's it. Maybe, yeah. And then throwbacks. I allow throwbacks. You get a home, away, and alternate and then a earned jersey, only if you make the playoff. And what's the other jersey? Oh, so that's their earned jersey. City uh, jersey. The Heat. Yeah. Now it's, they got rid of home and away. It's now mm. like iconic, classic. Association. City. Yeah. It's, people complain about the play-in being too complicated. <laughs> the jersey system in the NBA is too complicated. Yeah. Basically just sit sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine if the Heat had stuck with the same Miami Vice jerseys for for this like five year run from when they first introduced them to now you know as they made a finals run like those things would be iconic those things would live on in heat history for years instead they're wearing a pacers jersey yeah yeah because sometimes you you remember certain players in in certain jerseys um can't really think of anyone at the top of my head but (laughs) yeah you know like we believe jerseys yeah and you're wearing the you're wearing the hawks jersey right now right so every time i see that jersey 
uh, I think of um, uh, Dominique. Yeah, yeah, uh, Dominique uh, Wilkins. Yeah, I always think of Dikembe Mutombo in the classic uh, Denver Nuggets uniform, the one with the, yeah. the stripes and the mallet. That's that's a great jersey. I'm gonna have to mm. pick that up. And... Yeah. It's a lovely jersey. Um, best man for a wedding that we're doing the bachelor party in Denver in September. So now that I have uh, a little bit more disposable income, <laughs> I I kind of want to pick up a Dikembe jersey, uh, an Alex English jersey, and maybe even a Kiki Vandaway jersey just so I can show up and rock. You know, it's a three-day bachelor party. Just wear a different jersey each day. Awesome. Maybe you know, Alex yeah. English jersey. Ooh. Considering like a sky blue Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice one. Well, it's a pretty uh, plain jersey. Nice, though. It's good colors. Maybe go a little bit more deep cut. Go Earl Boykins. Earl Boykins. You got to rep the little guy, right? All right, you guys want to start talking some uh, actual basketball? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is that why we're here? (laughs) I'm I'm leaving the whole first whatever 20 minutes that was in. There's no editing going on. Like a lot of the a lot of the good podcasts have their uh, have like an opening rant that may or may not be basketball related and mm-hmm. touch on some non basketball topics. So I'm always down for uh, some of that. You good? Oh, I think so. But I, now I'm distracted by that game. <laughs> Can't stop watching. Um, Close game. I, I tell yeah. you this: if you hit pause, then when you're done with this. You can skip commercials. Mm, that's true. Or if you watch it live, you can react and be like, oh, snap. <laughs> Nothing like dating your yeah. podcast by having it like during a game that everyone's already seen. I was watching a Milwaukee game like last week <laughs> and, and I kind of felt like they're actually pretty good. <laughs> I've just been trashing them all season. <laughs> Guess I was watching the one game. game. <laughs> I think I picked them to come out of the East at one point. One of like four or five different teams. I've always had them top three. I'm pretty sure I selected them as my uh champion in the goat podcasts uh nba bracket challenge the uh, jim boylan memorial classic challenge nice all right let's do this welcome back what again? or <laughs> or sh- <laughs> should i say welcome uh post the probably first 15 minutes that you've just been listening to because I thought that was funny and we should leave it in here. So if you hate mm. it you hate my editing skills and I take offense to that. Y'all know me, Nathan and of course, Nico and Dylan. What's up? What's up? Oh. So we thought it would be fun uh, to try to. We're sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you've listened to people talk about each series probably with a lot more depth and more eloquently than the three of us. So what we thought would be a little bit more fun is to talk about some of the people that have a lot to gain or a lot to lose with these playoffs, uh, reputation wise, just league standing wise. Just however you would interpret gain a lot or lose a lot. So we've each come with five or more players or maybe less. Uh, I know mine still formulating some of them. But uh, Ego, Dylan, which one do you think you got a really good player or, or coach or anyone in the league uh, to bring up? And what, what are the stakes for them with these players? Um, why don't we start with the MVP? Oli Jokic. Yep. What, what do you think is uh, up for him to gain? Or what do you think is up for him to lose? So around the league and looking at MVPs, I think there's sort of almost, you know, a car system. There's two tiers of guys, which are your regular season MVPs and then the guys who have also done it in the playoffs. So it's what differentiates but LeBron from Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry from um, James Harden. And so for Nikola Jokic to really validate his MVP and solidify himself as a top tier of player uh, we're going to need to see uh, i think some some playoff success and a deep push um and we've spoke about how you know sort of all of the best teams that that you would expect to come out have 
uh, are suffering some sort of adversity. So it's a sort of a wide open field. Um, and this is the chance for Jokic to go from, you know, cute story MVP to legitimate, you know, best player in the NBA candidate. Do you think there's any downside for him? Like, I, I would say that my read and take on the situation is fans, media, love. I don't think he gets the respect and love from the other players. He already had LeBron jumping out saying that he thinks Curry should be MVP. I haven't really seen any pl- other players backing Jokic. If he loses, does he really, is he going to slide? Or do you think he's just going to kind of sit home where where he's kind of in most people's 5 to 12 rankings? Of I think it depends on the on the way in which he goes out. If he's if he underperforms and goes out early, um, then absolutely I think people will be looking back as like, oh, so this is a regular season guy and he'll sort of get that Giannis stigma where it's like, you know, oh, you have an awesome regular season. That's cool, but you have not proved to be a playoff player, so I'm um, going to disregard that um so i think there is some downside as well yeah i agree yeah. in in terms of uh, like fan appreciation i think he's got a lot to lose a lot to lose uh, if he doesn't make it out of the first round or, or just yeah just get knocked out early in the playoffs uh, similar to Giannis and uh, chris paul um, harden and, and guys like that are all great players but fans all all seem to be kind of down on them since uh they never really make it big in, in the playoffs. Um, so I think in terms of the media and stuff like that, at least what I've heard, most media outlets are kind of, you know, not giving up on Denver, but they're definitely not taking them as a favorite to win the championship since um, uh, Jamal Murray is missing. And, and basically all their like, good guards have been injured is just coming back from injury. So I think the pressure from the media is is not really there. But in terms of winning, uh, fans are over and, and not be seen as a regular season guy. I think he's got a lot to uh, a lot to lose and a lot to win, I guess. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I definitely think he's got a lot to gain. Um, they made the Western Conference Finals last year. I think he's got a lot more to show, and I think if they go deep, he really could solidify himself. There are a lot of fans that don't watch the regular season as much, that really just tune in for the playoffs, and this is this could be the year where Jokic, even after being MVP, if he does well in the playoffs, could become a household. So, yeah, definitely. Much. And also, you, you will also look at uh, Embiid, and, and if he's getting farther in the uh, playoff run he's having, people will, will try to like undermine Jokic's MVP and say that maybe Embiid Rusty will MVP this season. Mm-hmm. It it just takes a few wins <laughs> and, and, and all that is washed away. Because I think if he gets in a deep run, even just getting out of the first round, I guess, then, then that solidifies his status as a top player and an MVP this season. Yeah. Well, Nico, do you have a guy that you think has a lot to gain or a lot to lose or both? Um, I mean, I was thinking a little bit about Chris Paul. Um, as, as he's like... He's he's one of the best point guards in in history of of uh, of this league, and he's now the yeah I would say he's the number one guy in Phoenix because he was the one getting he was getting a, a slight consideration in terms of MVP. Buga was not in, in any close consideration. So so if Chris Paul again gets bounced out in the first round, that's not good for his legacy. I think. You know, we'll always look back at him and, and say that's a damn good player and he's definitely one of the best ever. But in terms of his legacy as a, like a winning player, it won't look great if he's bounced in the first round again. I had another Phoenix Sun on my list. I had DeAndre mm. Ayton. If he plays really well in this playoffs, he could solidify himself as you know the second option in the Suns moving forward. Whereas if he plays poorly, that man's going to be scapegoated. Uh, if he lets AD go off, and that's why the Lakers 
bounce him in the first round. I mean, Aiton's getting traded. Aiton's get. There's a lot of Aiton hate that's going to yeah. rise out. So I guess uh, I want to shift the question to you, Dylan. Who do you think uh, is going to take more blame if the Suns lose, Aiton or Paul? Um, I mean, I would think Chris Paul. Normally, it's the it's the best player who gets the blame, um, unless he's just so phenomenal that and, and he still can't, you know, haul the Suns to to victories. But I do think Aiden also has a lot to a lot to gain and a lot to lose. You know, when it comes time for an extension, and if he's a guy who's a proven uh, contributor in the playoffs, you know, that's worth a lot more than a guy who's you know a regular season player, but then come playoffs, he's played off the floor. So that's like ten million dollars worth of difference, if not more. So yeah, I think in terms of all time all time standing, CP3 could a- add something more to his resume if he leads the Suns who were you know a fringe playoff team coming into the season if he leads them to a series win over his buddy LeBron that's going to be right up there with beating that Spurs team in 2015 or whatever it was as you know playoff career highlights for him Uh, for a guy who hasn't won a championship at least there's another another moment that you can point to SK scenario Phoenix wins the NBA championship Mm. it's it's not impossible it's not it's it's really not. If he wins the championship, how then would you compare him to guys like Steph Curry and Dwayne Wade? Probably like right around that spot, right? Like right around, still, yeah, still probably third of those guys, but like right in that tier, like right in that conversation around D Wade and, and Steph that is probably a good comparison. And I think absolutely a top five all-time point guard. Also, another aspect of that, um, he's on a second seed team right now. And looking back at this playoff, it won't look super great to lose to a seven seed. You don't see that a lot, you know, top top three seeding, losing to uh, to the, like the bottom seed teams. But sure, the numbers have changed. But when the Lakers and the Suns uh, played each other with Kobe and Nash in the two seven matchup, uh, and the Lakers went up three one, it was statistically more likely for the Suns to come back from down three one than for a seven to beat a two. It had happened more yeah. times uh, that way. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure where the numbers are at now. That was 13 years or 14 years ago. But probably, probably even more in that direction, right? We've seen like multiple 3-1 comebacks and not many. Um, yeah, not many seven, seven. Yeah. Yeah. So odds are in Phoenix's favor. In any given season, they would be the favorites in a 2-7. But, you know, this weird season where the reigning champions and championship favorites in the preseason um ended up as the seven that's a little bit a little bit different and hopefully people will remember that if they're looking back at chris paul's legacy and saying well you know he had that run in phoenix but they got bounced in the first round after getting the two seed hopefully people remember that like yeah that was by the lakers who had lebron and ad injured and were the defending and probably championship favorites yeah, because that Lagos team is like an anomaly. Uh, you know, mm. They shouldn't be a seven yeah. seat, but... You know that they'll forget it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they I, will. <laughs> well, and that's that's part of the problem with Chris Paul's legacy here is mm. he's gotten some really bad luck playing teams. Like, What was the year that they played the Spurs in round one and the two teams were... That was a um a division matchup. Like the they got the Spurs because like... Um, divisional like division, tiebreaker. Yeah, like divisional goal. Divisional goal divisional shenanigans like the spurs were like a way better team and they dropped down to fifth because they um because you have to get the division winner in the top four yeah we just need to cut divisions out of there but yeah i wasn't trying to pull it up now yeah it was the year after the spurs won the finals uh as a seven game series and chris paul hits that beautiful finger roll to win it that with one hamstring yeah and then what the next year or the next series didn't blake get hurt and miss half the going off of memory here Mm. but Oh, Paul got hurt. Yeah. Well, he, hurt, he 
like tore his hamstring in that game, then came back on one leg. Blake also had a triple-double in that game. That was a great game. It's probably like my all-time favorite game. As a Clippers fan, there aren't many to choose from, but that first round series win. Is that the most fun and, and just like the, the best Clippers team ever? Or have there been more dominant teams? I mean, the team right now is the probably the best team ever. I think so. Yeah. We should talk about that in a, in a few weeks. It's, it's not a great history. I'm, I'm yeah. just, I was kind of scrolling <laughs> through not, their franchise. There's not a lot to pick from. Mm. I was like, maybe something early? Like, didn't they have a, a deep playoff run in San Diego? Nope. Nope, they actually never made the playoffs in San Diego. Oh, I forgot um, that the Clippers are actually descendant from the Celtics, who actually had a lot of championships from like the, you know, from like the 60s and so on. Ooh, mm-hmm. I think you can count all of the 60s Celtics championships. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, so that that would be the best Clippers team, well, those 60s Celtics. For anyone not listening, uh, or for... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't like, know the... The history of this, it's fantastic. The Clippers owner and the old Celtics owner at one point were trying to negotiate a trade and they ended up liking the other's roster so much that they just swapped franchises basically and agreed to like each keep three players. And so on paper, it looked like a trade of three players and a trade of owners basically. So I think, I think by that, if Celtics fans want to get after the Lakers for counting the Minneapolis rings because we move franchises, you guys traded franchises with the Clippers. Your 60s rings are gone. Suck it. <laughs> yeah. Clippers <laughs> legend Bill Russell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope there's no Boston Celtics fans listening. I hope there are no Boston it. Celtics fans. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, who's your who's number two or another guy off of your list that you think has a lot to gain or lose? Um, I'll do a brief mention to Giannis for pretty much all the reasons that we discussed with Jokic, so there's not really a lot to go over there. It's just... If you go deep, you solidify yourself as a legit best player in the in the league candidate. If you suck in the playoffs and you can't win, then you know you're a regular season guy. Um, how about we we keep in theme with the Bill Russell's Clippers and and talk about Paul George? Is on my list. I love this. Because mm. what what are your stakes for Paul George? What's the best? What's the worst? Um, best is like a fringe chance at like finals MVP, and and then worst is like sucking in getting eliminated in the first round. So that's like m- massive, massive difference between like absolute redemption Kyle Lowry st- style or just like if, if he sucks in the playoffs and we lose in the first round, like something has to change and like, you know, we may have to get rid of him. He's got a board on, on some uh, like contenders might not even be interested in, in, in getting Paul George. Exactly. Yeah. Like at the moment, I consider him like a top 10 player and I had him, I think, second team All-NBA. But if, if he just like cannot perform in a playoff series, then that's like, you know, that's 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 all going to change. Yeah, he's going to end up like DeMar DeRozan on, on, on the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. And just be like a, a decent regular season guy to get you some wins mm-hmm. and, and keep keep the franchise relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a perfect, perfect name for you to throw out there. Uh, because I was, I was trying to think of a way to compare this to Jordan. And if you've got LeBron is this generation's Jordan, there's kind of two other pathways for guys that competed with jordan Mm. and there's one the reggie miller which is i wasn't all that great but i had these great playoff runs and people now remember me as as greater than i was and there's the clyde drexler of drexler statistically was almost as good as jordan And, and jordan eventually buried him but but drexler had fantastic playoff runs uh and he's, he's kind of just gotten forgotten and i feel like paul george has a lot of that drexler case of paul george used to battle lebron in indiana 
and used to be really good and competitive. Yeah. And now we've just, he's kind of not a laughing stock, but is really sliding down. Pretty much is a laughing stock. I don't mean to say, but uh, yeah. Drexler doesn't get his fair due. That's definitely for sure. I all. It's one of my biggest knocks when people try to bring up Hakeem and try to say Hakeem did it all by himself. I'm like, Drexler scored 40 in an elimination game to keep Hakeem in it. Like, we gotta we gotta give Drexler some love, and I feel like Paul George has a lot of room to get more love. And if he has a really good playoffs, I'd love to see it. He's definitely got the like the skill set to to um, do a lot more than he's shown. I mean, yeah, he's got a lot to win, I guess. <laughs> How about this? This is like his chance to go down in the Hall of Fame or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. You know, if you combine like his Indiana years where he was awesome, the comeback from the injury, getting his way back to an All-NBA caliber player, if he can top that off with, you know, a championship, even if it's not the finals MVP, like I said, he has a decent chance at, but you know that's that's a solid hall of fame case mm. and if he's gonna get get bounced in the first or second round and be be the reason why then um you know that's just going to be brought up every time his name's mentioned since we're on the clippers i wanted to i wanted to run this past you guys there's been a lot of clippers hate for them ducking the lakers but are we sure they ducked the lakers and they weren't trying to duck portland you know they yeah. got some beef with dame and you know paul george has some has some uh history some some dark history with Dame. Are we sure he's not just trying to duck Dame? That's possible. I mean, you know, they have some history in Dame hitting some lucky shots and stuff like that. So um, might be trying to dust those guys. Yeah, Dame and, and CJ is always a scary duo to to um, to battle in a playoff series because they can just sometimes they sometimes they'll just get hot hot and and you can't beat them. <laughs> um, that's a fur ball on your mic, uh, Dylan. Yeah, I'll stay in <laughs> quiet so that Nate could just edit out all my audio. <laughs> it's a very cute cat. He wants to be a podcast. Star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> either of you listen to Macklemore at all? I like the music. Yeah. Uh, no. Or the podcast. <laughs> or the podcast. I, yeah. I don't know if he had a podcast, but uh, uh, the musician Macklemore has one song where he like, it's like, let me get my cat a bar, and his cat meows, and he's like, now my cat's more famous than you ever will be, and that line hurts me <laughs> because I know it's true. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, just like that's so simple. You just got. Got one line on on a Macklemore song. But back to Paul George. Part of my reason for that theory is he was trash against Dallas. Like, talking 35% from the the floor, 27% from three. Like, if you're trying to duck the Lakers to have an easy, or if you're trying to have an easy series against Dallas, it doesn't feel like, uh, feel like Paul George would be on board with that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably as much like, not just a one series thing, but like, would you rather have Dallas and Utah or Portland and the Lakers you know it's it's sort of a, a changes your whole bracket it's not just uh, thinking about one series and, and given how hard Denver tried to tried to tank to get the four seed as well you know they don't really didn't they they beat Portland last year so I think it's uh, the Lakers that everyone's trying to dodge all right well I'm just floating it yeah I think they're wise in in, in trying to get at the Dallas because they have some trouble and it's it's definitely the easier matchup this year. Well, yeah. Nico, who's another guy from your list that's got a lot to gain or a lot to lose? So like I got one guy who's kind of a hot take, I guess. And and then I have a coach and I have two teams that I think has a lot to lose. I think we should start with the teams actually. I, okay. I want a safety hot take. <laughs> um so so just like Dylan said, Giannis he's got a lot to lose in terms of his uh, re- uh, like uh, I'm getting distracted. That cast um, is so fluffy. <laughs> Nice fur ball. 
Yeah, but Giannis has a lot to lose in terms of his um, legacy. Um, but so does his entire team, I think. They got a lot to lose because they've invested so much in this team this season. And, Ooh. I mean, losing again, uh, that's going to look bad. And, and I'm I'm not sure the owners are going to be happy about that. Um, I not don't know what else they, they can do. Yeah, right. Um, but are they going to try something else? I mean, it's going to be hard improving on that team or yeah. with, with, with how their contracts are set up. Yeah, they don't really have a lot of opportunities to improve. And um, mm. Holiday's a free agent this year, so they're going to have to lock him in, which means a, a big tax bill for the owners. So They did but, lock him in. Oh, they did too. Yeah, they did too. Yeah. So, so I'm just thinking about like if, if, if Milwaukee ain't going nowhere in terms of improving and, and the owners kind of can't do anything other than trying to appease their stars that's not going to be great in terms of Yanis just wanting to stick around <laughs> I, I, would th- I would i would think maybe he feels so strongly about staying on on, on one team that that it's not going to be a problem but i can't help but think that there's a uh, chance that he may be seeking opportunities yeah and there's kind of a, a theory that part of getting Giannis to agree to the extension was a handshake deal that if things start going south that they will accommodate him and help him to get somewhere where he can win a championship and and like you said their their roster is pretty much locked in you know they have no cap space no assets really big big tax bill and you know, outgoing obligations in terms of draft picks so there's there's not a lot of ways to improve you know you just adding like a mid-level guy which if, if you're you know not even in contention if you're not really that close you know adding a guy on the margins isn't, isn't probably going to get you there is there a possibility that they could actually flip middleton and holiday together in a package for I mean, let's say if Kawhi says he wants to walk from the clippers they've already committed a lot of money to paul george they've already traded away all of their draft picks they probably want to stay close to contention could a dylan if you run the clippers you're offered Holiday and Middleton for Kawhi. What say you? Um, if if he's demanding to leave, then that's probably a pretty decent deal. Um, assuming that you want to keep contending, unless OKC okay, so want to give want to give me thirty seven first round picks and Poku. You don't want SGA back? He's 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 the sweetener on top, Nate. He's not the he's not the headline. But but that's why I see them as like a big loser if they don't get out of the uh, playoffs with a decent run. Um, and I mean they could possibly uh, go down in the first round. They've lost to Miami before, and why shouldn't they do that again? Another Eastern Conference team, uh, Brooklyn, have a lot to lose. I can't help but think that they they could end up as like the implosion of the century if if like they don't have good playoff success and you know like Irving. Irvin may be uh, not contempt with what's happening and Harden might want to move on and stuff like that. I mean, that could be nasty. They, they need to hope for a, a good playoff run. You can still get Brooklyn Nets playoff tickets. Uh, we're recording this Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock. You can get Brooklyn Nets Tuesday night tickets, uh, a two-pack of them, for $85 a piece. Like, yeah. The hell? Uh, apparently Harden has offered to cover half the price of all of the first two games tickets the the brooklyn home game tickets and they're still not selling out meanwhile all of the knicks tickets have sold out so Mm. yeah i mean imagine like urban urban looking at the knicks and and he's like oh man they're more popular i I need to go there (laughs) um that's gonna be a better platform for my social uh you know um activism i guess it's called and stuff like that i don't know if the nets really have too much pressure this year um you know they've probably got a couple years to get things together and um you know, super teams have a history of, you know, taking a year to, to figure it out. And especially with how much time pretty much all the guys missed this year, that they've never really had any time together. You know, they've sort of got a built-in excuse to lose this year. And then and I think the pressure comes really on next year. 
would be the reason that I didn't have them. I think as long as Durant can make it through the playoffs healthy, they'll be fine. Um, we, we haven't seen a long stretch of good health for Durant, so that's my one worry. Because if he gets injured at any point in this playoffs, it's full-scale panic. He's a hardened Irving team, not going to challenge for much. And I would be really worried about bringing that team into next season. You know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a Brooklyn fan by any means, but I, I, I've really enjoyed watching those guys play together. But if I were Brooklyn fans, I, I just, I just, I, I wouldn't be able to not be kind of on the edge because they're, they're just, they're just special uh, personalities. If if they just set their mind on on this thing is not gonna happen and and stuff like that, it could go south really fast. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I also think that they should stay together for 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 more than one season. But um, I just can't help but think a a, a bad player front could set uh, this team on fire uh, in a bad way. <laughs> all three are under contract for twenty one twenty two, and then yeah. all three have a player option for twenty two twenty three, and those player options are F. So yeah. it it might not be a make or break year this year, but next year will be volatile if uh, they can't get some extensions done or don't have the deep playoff run this year kind of kind of where the clippers are where they're sitting and waiting for Kawhi to make his decision if he's going to return i didn't have the nets but i do have another top tier east team so if we did milwaukee we did brooklyn uh not quite the full team but how do you guys feel about doc yeah i guess like the 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 dual uh of doc rivers and and uh, and tom thibodeau uh we're gonna see here um a, a dog really needs to win this series Dylan, you watched Doc in a number of years for uh, for the Clippers. Are you pro Doc? Are you anti Doc? What are your Doc takes? Um, I'm generally very pro Doc. I think his impact um, above, if we say replacement coach or impact above Brett Brown, is pretty obvious. The season of just like as soon as he gets there, it's just so much of that low hanging fruit is just um, taken care of. Um, but he does have some questions in terms of his track record as a player. Off coach, um, another season of of playing the wrong guys, and he you know proven in his last two series that he can't always make the best decisions come playoff time. Then looking at how he got his coaching start in Orlando, he was a player development guy, and he didn't really develop the players. They were about five hundred for four seasons, and then he got fired in the fifth, and he goes to Boston, and it's a downward slope in Boston. Just can't make it work. They get the number five pick. They trade for Ray Allen. They trade for Kevin Garnett. Uh, that Garnett deal still upsets me because there's definitely some McHale, Danny Ainge, old homeboy uh, kind of cannery there. Lakers had a better package. Walk away at some point, Nathan. Um, and, and then he has this great season. They win the championship a large part to their defense, which he credits Tibbs and he credits Garnett. And then it kind of it unravels and slowly falls apart in Boston. And a lot of the, the reasons why it was falling apart was Doc didn't want to practice. Doc, you know, didn't seem to know how to connect with younger players, which seems to be a reoccurring trend. And then he gets the Clippers, and I don't know, they're they're all right. The Lobsity Clippers eventually fall apart. He gets that mediocre Clippers team to overachieve the the Tobias Harris, the Danilo Gallinari team team that uh, I guess they traded Tobias before the deadline, but they actually really overachieved and looked good. And I just, I, I'm kind of wishy-washy. Is Doc a above average coach or is he like truly a great coach? And I think if he has a deep playoff run where they make the conference finals and they do well in the conference finals, we can put him into a good to great coach category. But if he loses or if he stumbles against the Wizards or if he stumbles against the Knicks slash Hawks, I'm calling him slightly above average and I'm I'm good with that. I'm ready to walk away 
and I'll stop treating Doc like a savior coach. Yeah. I mean, the Sixers have a pretty easy bracket all the way up until the conference finals. So if they don't take care of business in those first two rounds and there's any sort of questions around his coaching, um, then then absolutely that's a, that's a big um, legacy maker or breaker for him. Anything other than a, a finals appearance this season, that that's that's not going to look good for him. So if Doc wasn't your coach, Nico, who is your coach? Which they think's got a lot to gain or lose. Um, it's the obligatory uh, Knicks uh, uh, like part yeah, of this it's... podcast. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so I think Tom Thibodeau has everything to win. Um, if he just um, if he just makes a, a, a great appearance against the Philadelphia uh, team, then that that that's gonna make him look really good again. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! It's gotta go against these babies first. Yeah, I'm just Atlanta. assuming. I'm just assuming he, uh, they'll take the win against uh, Atlanta. You know what um, they say about assuming? Make an ass out of you and Ming. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying that he's got nothing to lose. Um, yeah. If he if he going down in the first round, nobody is gonna like give him shit for 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 not getting to the uh, uh, second round or Eastern Conference Finals. There's no expectations. Um, but but I, I I would love a Cinderella story of of them winning against the 76ers. That'd be great. We got a Knicks Nets Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, exactly. And, That's what I'm talking about. And a Lakers Clippers. Yeah. All of middle America is going to hate it, and every small market is going to cry. Yeah, but you know the NBA would be so happy. I could mention my my last one. Wait, you said your last one was a hot take, though, right? Yeah, I guess it is kind of. <laughs> um, last one's got some spice. Maybe. So I, I couldn't stop thinking about LeBron James. At, at what point is he the goat? Um, so if he wins this season, then he's got two two in LA. Is that enough to to be the goat? Maybe. I think you can make a solid argument. But if he free-peats in LA, that would cement it for me. Like, that would 100% make him the GOAT for me. That would leave no doubt, uh, for me at least. So, so yeah. getting another one in LA, that's, that's going to be big for him. And I think that's going to make it even closer than it is right now. But a free-peat, like, that would cement it for me. That's, that would be it. He's, he's the GOAT then. I like it. One of my other ones was the uh, literally every Laker not named Anthony Davis or LeBron James because most of them are free agents. I had Dennis Schroeder as one of my guys with a lot to gain or a lot to lose. If, if he can contribute to a playoff team and prove there's a starting point guard, then, you know, maybe he'll get his $25 million a year that he's after. If he's kind of like he was in the play and if he's played off the floor and they have to start Caruso or Wes Matthews and, you know, those guys both play over him and then he's you know a backup point guard then you're looking at like lou williams money and then you're making eight million dollars a year um so there's a there's a, a a lot riding on this playoff run for him absolutely like Montrose harrell mm. uh is a he's got a team option for next year and when they signed that deal i was like oh yeah there's no way he's opting into that team option for only nine mil if he has a bad playoffs i don't think he's had a great season so if he has a bad playoffs too he's opting in and i i feel like that fits well with lebron james where if all of these guys suck and lebron wins because he put the team on his back you're right that the GOAT conversation is getting awfully close if that happened. And if he three-peats, I don't think we can deny it. I think if he three-peats on his own, or not on his own, but mainly of his own volition, not like Anthony Davis takes this giant leap forward and LeBron slides down you know, sixth ring, he's still got to earn it or be the, the primary or maybe 1B option. But if he gets this one, he really well could set himself up to surpass Jordan in that conversation, which is not something I ever thought I would say. Yeah, but it's getting closer. Um, and I don't think anyone expected LeBron to be this good this season as well. Um, I mean, if he didn't go down with this 
that injury, he he was he was an MVP uh, candidate, um, and being an MVP candidate in in like what was this uh, is like 16th season or 18th or something. Uh, I, I was just thinking about the other day. Someone was talking about uh, LeBron and how people might have forgotten some of his earlier seasons. And man, some people watching NBA right now. I mean, they're younger than you know. You know, as a rookie, Le- Le- they might not have uh, been born to to look at LeBron. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I mean, he's younger played, than LeBron's career. Right. Yeah. So he's he's like played a lifetime for some fans uh, and more. Um, if you're like starting to watch NBA at like age what 10, 12, 13 or something like that. And you're looking at LeBron, and he's been like the best player for 10 years before they're born, or something like that. I, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's crazy to think about. Um, I always remember Shaq was drafted the year I was born, so he's a, a 92. I was born in 92, and I came into the NBA uh, forced into Laker fandom. And here is this guy that literally is Goliath, just smashing through people. And when he started to get old and retired, I was like, what? what is this Shaq has always been there and then even more so when Kobe because Kobe was was the young kid and I watched Kobe's not all his career but he was drafted in 96 but for so much of it I can hardly imagine what it's like I uh, coached kid Luciano who is a diehard LeBron fan and I'm trying to think line it up Luciano's probably 18 19 now so his his entire life LeBron is is dominant yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a very strange day that there's, you know, NBA without LeBron. Yep. Still my worst draft call. I really <laughs> thought Carmelo was going to be better. <laughs> okay. Hey, I was 11. I think I'm allowed to get one wrong when I'm 11. <laughs> yeah, your scouting skills in a, as an 11-year-old weren't quite up to par. I mean, back then, <laughs> I, I was lucky if I could, like, catch a game at all <laughs> in Denmark yeah. there's no no uh, like there, there's no transmission of NBA games in Europe at all uh, back then yeah so I just remember watching uh, like LeBron getting drafted in the news so like a short segment of 30 seconds or something uh, and then uh, when when YouTube and stuff like that got popular then we could watch some highlights and stuff sometimes um, but oh man that's that's a long time ago I used to go to a summer camp every year that was conveniently over the week of draft uh just every year that's just how it happened to land on the draft week and or it was a two-week camp and we weren't allowed cell phones not like i had one uh there was no technology but your parents could mail you letters and stuff and my dad would always print off like the mba.com or espn's you know draft rankings and draft analysis and fold it up and mail it to me and i'd sit there and i'd be like all right lakers got luke walton okay okay lakers got brian cook All right, all right. I can live with those picks. Cook has got a nice outside shot. Walton can play point forward, which works because Kobe and Fisher aren't doing that shit. So that's just fantastic. that's so cool. There's just 11 year old you at camp, like man, this Carmelo guy. How did they not take him first? Like, oh, Darko. Okay, Euro. Maybe maybe he's the next Pau Gasol. That's all. I was really high on Pau. Uh, all right, that's all five years. Here's Nico. Believe if I'm if I'm tracking this correctly, Dylan. Uh, you got Jokic, you got Giannis, you got Paul George. Who else this is on your uh, ups and downs board? The unanimous defensive player of the year, the Stifle Tower. Ooh. He's been the most de- dominant defensive player of, you know, recent NBA history. Multiple-time defensive player of the year. But still, there are people who think that he's played off the floor in, in playoff times. And when it comes time for defensive player of the year debates, are propping up far inferior defenders based on the idea that they can hold up better in the playoff. Um, so if he can go make a deep run where he's 
a, a you know a dominant defensive player and his team's great on defense he's the reason why he's staying on the floor he's not getting ex- exposed or exploited then I think that sort of um, can end a lot of that conversation. And on the other side, if he goes up against a team where, you know, drop, pick and roll is just not going to work and they can't play him um, defensively, then I think that's, you know, something that's going to come up for the rest of his career and, and, and probably afterwards. You're going to hate me for this. So going to hate me. But my fifth one was Nate Silver and his defensive metrics for a very similar reason. <laughs> because I might be one of those people that, that argue for these inferior defenders, as you put it, uh, who the metrics don't love, but the eye test really likes. <laughs> because I I love and I value Rudy Gobert's presence in the regular season. And I think if you were trying to build a defense for an 82-game season, and trying to reward for an 82-game season, I think he's the guy. I think he alone can set a defense up. But if you need to defend in multiple scenarios and teams get to game plan, I don't think he has any sort of versatility. And I, I almost view him as the inverse of Giannis, where you don't have time to prep for Giannis in the regular season. He can just smash through you. You're not defending him. But as soon as you get time to prep for him, He's actually one of the easier superstars to stop and go bear in the same way, just as an, a random Thursday night game in the regular season. You don't have time to play your whole offense around stopping or around trying to get around his defense. But when you get, get a chance to prep for it, I feel like he's really easy. And I feel like if the playout playoffs bear that out, you're going to have to find a new name. It's no longer going to be Raptor, just as it was no longer as Carmelo, or just as it no longer is LeBron and whatever they're going to try to name these metrics. Uh, I think Nate Silver's going to have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, and, and Raptor that you mentioned, just so we've got it here, um, Rudy Gobert is number one by a, a massive margin. I mean, the difference between number one and number two is like the difference between number two and number 15. Um, so it's it's a huge margin. And I think even there, it's understating it a little bit because number eight is Mike Conley. And I don't think Mike Conley is a dominant defensive player. I think he's getting um, some of Gobert's impact has been assigned to him instead because they share the court. Um, so when you factor that in, that Gobert is by far and away and has been undervalued as, as according to Nate Silver's Raptor, the, the most dominant defensive player in the league, um, then I think he's really got to carry that through into the playoffs. You said that's a little bit easier to game plan around, which is which is probably true, but you've got to have the right personnel um, and you've got to be able to play the right way. When Rudy Gobert's on the floor, you're just not going to get shots at the rim. Isn't the right personnel just a small guard that can shoot threes? Yep, and if, if you, if you want to live and die by the three and never get free throws, never get layups, um, you just want to shoot threes in mid-range and, and hope that that gets you, you know, to how, how deep are we talking here, like hope that that gets you to the finals or to the conference finals, then, then some, some teams can do that. Not many can. And got lucky that Curry got bounced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a team like the Grizzlies, who, uh, you know, their best player is like a, a slasher, I think we're going to see that just, this is the team that beat the Warriors, who narrowly lost to the Lakers, and, and you know, Utah is just going to have their way with them. Um, so I think in that series, we'll we'll definitely see that his um, values carried over, it's just going forward. That's a near perfect matchup for Utah, and Memphis plays one of the most traditional big men, and John Morant usually can't hit a three. I know he did really well against the Grizzlies, or against the Warriors in that play-in game, but if you're looking for a team that plays a traditional back-to-the-basket big, or someone's going to occupy the low block, and that you can do drop coverage, that that is Memphis to a T, so Mm. I think Gobert's going to look excellent in the first round. Yep. 
the second round's going to be a real struggle for him because he's either getting the Clippers who don't shoot any layups they just shoot a lot of threes and they shoot a lot of mid-ranges um so like what is your impact when the thing that you're good at is not something that your opponent's trying to do um or they get in the Mavs in which case are you gonna play drop pick and roll against Luca and can you get out on the floor against Porzingis and Maxi Kleber um that's going to be a real where the real test comes some some teams will just take him out of the game, kinda. Um, and I, I kind of feel like, although he's like, I, I don't have any doubts in in calling him defensive player of the year. But for for a single game or, or just one series against a a good team, I'm not picking Gobert as my. If I have to pick like one good defender, I'm not picking Rudy Gobert. Same as I'm not picking Jokic as my number one guy. If I can pick any player, although he's the MVP. I, I guess you could, you could say that about a lot of uh, regular season award winners. And that's normally the case, right? Like your MVP and your defensive player of the year aren't necessarily the guys that you want for a single series, mm. you know? Like you mm. said, if, if you want to win as many games as possible, then put in Gobert, you're automatically going to be a great defense. Put in Jokic, you're yep. automatically a great offense. But if it comes yep. to a, a single series, then... You know, give me the guy on the seven seed in the West. Um, mm. who, yeah. Give me LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. If that's my number one guy and my best defender, exactly. give me those two guys. <laughs> yeah, those, those are probably the two that you're taking. And, you know, they right. they got you the seven seed. So there's a real different difference between who do you want a single series and who's going to make you the best team over the course of an 82-game series. Mm. I got in a Facebook debate with a guy who was arguing that MVP is a purely narrative award because it never or almost never goes to the the best player who wins the championship but I'm like no those are those are two very different things mm. and Gobert is the best player over the 72 game season best defensive player sorry uh but he might not be the best playoff player a- in the same way that if we said the odds the odds are probably that Brooklyn is going to win the championship. Does that mean we should have voted Kevin Durant MVP of the regular season? Hell no. He'll, he'll, he probably will walk away with finals MVP if they win. Like, that's that's the most likely scenario. But if you're rewarded, you got to remember that almost all rewards reward the regular season. And if you want to say they shouldn't or we should do playoff awards or we should look at awards differently, that's a fine case to to have but as is the awards are for regular season stuff so gobert absolutely deserves it no no questions no arguments yeah and so this will be the test if he can't hold up in the second round then you know that reputation is is now purely you're a regular season player um there's there's no argument but if he does impact his team defensively in the second round against the clippers or against the mavs then that narrative that um, you know people like Ben Taylor have done work on is showing is like super overstated. That like his reputation he's kind of already got as a guy that gets played off the floor isn't warranted to begin with. Um, but if you know, depending on how that second round series goes, um, that that's really going to swing the narrative one way or the other. I believe we've all mentioned all five of ours because I did my group Lakers. And Dylan, you had your Schroeder pick in there and i noticed that none of us brought up some of the younger guys no one mentioned ja no one mentioned luca mentioned trey young uh, i guess randall's not really younger but new to the playoffs uh is it because it's kind of all gravy for these guys no expectations uh is there any of them that you guys wanted to touch on in this that you could see having a really high side outcome from these playoffs trey young could be one if they're able to get a first round upset if he can show that he can stay on the floor defensively in a playoff series and um you know he relies a lot on you know foul drawing so if he can create efficient offense when the whistles get 
harder to get and he can stay on the floor defensively in a playoff series, then I think that that could affect his reputation a lot and really affect the Hawks' um, long-term plan if, if he's a guy who can, you know, th- that you know will hold up in the playoffs. I think you could mit- mention uh, a few guys. Like you mentioned, Russell Westbrook, if he carries uh, Washington through this series against Philly, like that would really redeem his reputation. And and same goes for like I mean imagine if Jason Tatum carries Boston uh, uh, through this series against Brooklyn. Um, not that I think it will happen, but that would look good on him. Um, but I got my guy Kristaps. Uh, I mean he he can really redeem himself if if he's uh, if I I think if Dallas um, wins against LA Clippers, it's gonna largely be because of Kristaps being uh, good again. <laughs> Um, so he can really redeem himself. He's been very um, like wonky this season. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad, but he's mostly been bad this season. Um, and and it seems like Luga and Kristaps is not seeing eye to eye at all. So um, a good series against LA that would be great for Kristaps. He was phenomenal against them at last year's playoffs. You know he defended Paul George really well, and was just a, a tough cross match for George to defend. And on the other side, because of his his insane length if they get past the clippers you're right it's definitely going to take a lot of porzingas i think we can kind of assume that if they're getting past the clippers luca had a good series luca probably had a 37 and 7 type series but i could see luca having a 37 and 7 and still losing in five games mm. yeah that's what i'm saying i mean luca will have an amazing uh series no matter what i think <laughs> that's that's just how he's playing um but but if dallas um i mean for, for dallas to be successful they really need Kristaps to ste- step up that that's like their only path to success yeah, I mean, he gave the Clippers all sorts of trouble last year and him going down was really the turning point of when it stopped being a competitive series. But a lot of that was against Montrezl Harrell, who's now not there and, and you know, he's being swapped with Serge Ibaka, who's theoretically a more mobile center who can um, go out to the wing and defend better. So so we'll see how that goes for him. Still just so much length to try to stop. Mm. Defensively might be a bigger test for him. You know, Nico was talking about he was a bit up and down this season. Um, that's mostly referring to offensively, but defensively he's taken sort of a big step back. He's a lot slower this year. Um, so if he yeah. can't hold up, like you said, against Paul George and against Kawhi, and he gets played off the floor, then that's you know, not looking good for him and, and for Dallas going going forward. I have seen some Mavs Nations posts uh, talking about how Lowry Markkanen might be in play for Dallas. And I just look at that, I'm like, man, you guys want a worse Kristaps Porzingis? Like, <laughs> you've already seen what happens when Kristaps is bad. Why Why do you guys want a worse version? But yeah. I, I guess that kind of says how bad he really has been, that Mavs fans are excited about the potential of upgrading with, with Lowry. So <laughs> yeah. there's always the one unicorn that doesn't hit. Well, I feel like that's as good a place as any to call it a call it a day mm. any final shout outs or as we're on the eve and the uh, precipice of the end of the first playoff game that i have conveniently turned off the box score so i won't know so i can watch it at, uh, in a few minutes and please don't spoil it uh but any anything you guys want to say before we head out take us away Nate. all right we got the obligatory poker reference so we're good <laughs> Excellent. I I had already planned on how to work it in if it didn't come up naturally. It always so does, though. He's just the most central player to the league. So 
has to come up. Oh, thank you all for listening. Like us on Facebook. Follow us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a review where you can. Castbox. If you enjoy us and we're not on your favorite podcast platform, let us know. We'll get you there. So thank you. I'm trying to not spoil this game for you. Yeah, you're not watching, right? I'm spoiling it. I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, I was just tuning in. Jimmy just hit a shot. Buzzerby did a take it to OT. Oh, yep. <laughs> I was just tuning in like every 30 seconds back. He, he kind of choked the last two offensive positions, though.